Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is Mrs. Tandiswa Mahau, who is from the African Transformation Movement and serves as a member of parliament. She sits on several portfolio committees, namely the Committee on Multi-Party Women's Caucus, the Portfolio Committee on Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Portfolio Committee on Human Settlements, Water and Sanitation, as well as the Portfolio Committee on Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities, and the Standing Committee on Public Accounts. Many thanks for joining us today, Mrs. Mahau. Uh, thank you very much and good uh, day to all the listeners. Mrs. Mahau, this is a series that we are doing which covers perspectives from women across different political parties in the country. And although we have 14 parties represented in South Africa's National Assembly, eight parties have two seats or fewer. And of those eight parties, the African Transformation Movement is one of only two parties to have a female member of parliament. You serve on five portfolio committees. That's an enormous portfolio. Can you tell us about a few of the priority focal points in relation to women, specifically on the portfolio committee of cooperative governance and traditional affairs? Uh, Thank you very much, Doc. What I must I must start by saying I really appreciate to be part of this very critical committee because if if you know COCTA, it's where the tires touches the tar. It's where most people are awaiting service delivery. So it's, it's a very interesting committee. It's where we are supposed as government to make the point that a sustainable service delivery is taking place. You know, as a woman uh, participating in that committee, I must say that I'm, I, I commend that committee to have women in strategic positions. First of all, I will start with the minister. The minister of that, of the, of that uh, department, Kokta, is a woman, Dr. Gosazana Zoma. The deputy, one of the deputy ministers, Upem Chwete, is a woman on housing, on human settlement. And even the chairperson of the committee is a woman. That alone to me, gives a hope that at least women are recognized by the present government. So that, that is very key to me, and it gives me a hope that issues affecting women at a local government level will be, uh, will be able to be addressed in that. But I, I must say, I'll start by, by identifying stakeholders that are taking, that are, are taking part in that in that committee, it's Salga, MDB, that is Municipal Demarcation Board, SA Government, State South Africa, IEC. Uh, my problem is that I, I do not get a sense of where at, at which time organized women are participating in that in, in, in that department, whereby there is there are issues affecting women on service delivery. They are able, there is a platform that is created whereby they are listened at. But if, if again, you are looking at the mission, the mission 
of the department itself or of the committee, that of creating an enabling mechanism for to participate of of e communities. As we all know, that e communities women are dominating in our communities. There is no way of building a capacity to those women in in our communities so that they can effectively participating on matters affecting this department, on matters affecting themselves as women in this department. If we can maybe address those issues, maybe I can say I'm comfortable in, in that committee. What do you think we can do to help bridge that gap? So to be able to facilitate women from our numerous communities to access the Portfolio Committee and indeed the Department of Cooperative Governance and Affairs. You know, in municipalities, the office of the speaker is very critical. The, the, The office of the speaker deals with community participation. If the department can utilize that office of the speaker, to organize women so that women are able to participate effectively. And if the department can work hand in glove with the office of the speaker to capacitate those community women so that they know their rights, they know exactly what is it that is expected out of them by the department itself so that they become effective in terms of addressing the matters that are affecting them on service delivery. That's That's the only... That is one of the ways I think can be effective. Use the office of the speaker because the office of the speaker is at a local government level. They've got speakers at that level. If maybe the department, the minister, can have a good working relationship with the office of the speaker of the municipality so that that office can organize women in that community, capacitate them, let the woman, woman know their rights, so that they can effectively participate in the department, so that their lives can change and the issues that affect them as in service delivery can be addressed. If that platform can be created, that can be suitable for me. You mentioned that, in your opinion, women are adequately recognized by our present government in terms of occupying positions within government, within portfolio committees, and obviously parliament. A question that I wanted to ask you is specifically in relation to the role of the multi-party women's caucus. Do you feel that it accelerates issues facing women in South Africa, whether that be gender-based violence, uh, issues of pay parity, access to equal opportunities, uh, paid care, etc.? First of all, Doc, I must appreciate that platform which is created for for all women in parliament, regardless of a political affiliation, because it's where the matters of common interest are discussed. It's where the matters affecting women in general are discussed. You know, I'll start with gender-based violence vis-a-vis the multi-party caucus. I must appreciate the Minister of Justice. It's not easy for the minister to go out of his office and attend the caucuses so that he can directly hear what are the matters affecting women women on gender-based violence. Mm-hmm. Because Doc, you will recall that there are still some laws that prohibit women to exercise their rights when, when there is a perpetrator. You, you know, there are also bills that are on pipeline. For, for the minister to come himself 
and hear from Imati Kokas. Uh, it's of vital importance to me. That alone shows a, a very serious uh, a man who is able to act because he will be able in turn to go to the cabinet and express the feelings of women because he was part of the meeting. Though, on the other hand, the parliament takes time to address and review these laws. The parliament takes time to pass the bills that can assist women in terms of uh, addressing the issue of gender-based violence. And again, the, 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 party, the multi-party caucus, uh, women's caucus, I can say it's not that effective in terms of making the point that if, for example, the president made mention of a certain billion, like he did, that there are billions that are set aside to address the matters affecting women on gender-based violence, we are unable to hold him accountable. Where are those billions? Because as of now, I cannot report to you what is it that uh, the parliament has done in terms of addressing the issue of gender-based violence as by the huge budget which was put aside by the president. So those are the issues that I can, and maybe I can say in this platform. Uh, again, I think what the Minister of Justice is doing in terms of attending some of our meetings can be done by also by the Department of Labor. For, 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 for example, we were just asking the parity issues, employment equity. If maybe he can come to us and listen, where are our concerns? Because there is Employment Equity Act, but there is no equity at all. There are still women in other corners of this country whereby they are doing the same job, but different salaries. So we are still not yet there in terms of Employment Equity Act. Thank you very much, Doc. Mrs. Mahou, it's really disconcerting when we have these conversations, when we know that budgets have been put aside to address specific issues, uh, particularly affecting women, whether that's gender-based violence or pay parity, as we've just discussed now. And your role as, as part of a portfolio committee is about oversight and holding government to account for its actions and to utilize budgets fruitfully, but actually use those budgets for what they were designed for. How can, in your opinion, how can we make government more accountable to actually bring those KPIs to reality? I, I, think, I think, Doc, if we can have what we call consequence management, because the president will speak saying that I have put aside so much to do maybe to address the issue of gender-based violence. There are officials that are supposed to take that up and implement what has been said in the... We are just policymakers, they are policy implementers. But the only problem we're experiencing is that there is no consequence management which is put in place for the officials who do not do their mandate or what is required out of them. If we can engage the things away during now, the COVID-19, whereby we are doing things over the phone now, virtual Zoom meetings. So unlike whereby we were allowed to go and sit in parliament, discuss and debate these issues. Thank you for that insight and emphasis on consequence management. Now turning towards your party, the African Transformation Movement, it's fairly new. 
It was only established in 2018. Yes. Can you tell us, firstly, what's the composition of, of women in the party? I'll start with Parliament. There are two seats, and fortunately, it's my president, who's a male, and myself, who's a female, which means 50-50. So as we are now proceeding towards local government, the policy is clear, Doc, that 50% must be female councillors. So we are clear about that. Even although we are a new, a new party, we are still flexible in terms of uh, trying to implement 50 because we are in a process of building the capacity in both. So we are not that city, but we have to make a point that if there is a structure at a local government, there are women that are there in that structure. But when it comes to government position, we do not uh, mix words. We want 50% and above women's representation in all the lists of come local government elections. That is clear. That is our policy. And how do you think we can encourage more women to take up an active role in politics? What I observe, Doc, is that most of women think you have to go to a university and study politics. They are not aware of the fact that politics are their day-to-day way of living. If we can take that out of, we have started that as ATM, having some classes with women, trying to tell them that they are their own liberators. They have to stand up for their rights because they are the ones who feel inequalities. That are taking place. They are the ones who feel the poverty. Because if there is no food at home, you are the one you have to go out and make the point that children are getting food at the end of the day. So those are politics. So if you can encourage them, telling them then that they have got an active role to play out there to make the point that we benefit out of the economy of this world. Because I used to say to them that I fail to understand in Africa is one of the most richest continents. We've got mines, we've got gold, diamonds, whatever. But the only process of the problem is that where are they manufactured? If, if we can stand up and influence that, let the mining, whatever mines, which come out of the ground, if it is processed locally, build some factories locally, at least we can be able to get some jobs for our kids, for ourselves, for our husbands, and then we can fight poverty. So they have, we have to, all of them have to stand up and fight for our rights. How I used to motivate so that they can see that belongs with policies do not belong to Mrs. Mahal because she was once a councillor. No, everybody must address the day-to-day living of, of herself. Let's talk about Mrs. Mahal. Tell us about your journey into politics. You, you know, Doc, I started a, a politics when I was in high school. I think it was in 1976-77. You know, get the history of 1976. We, 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 were, we were chased away from school because of the school fees. I said to myself, I know my father has got money because he was unable to give me the bus fare in the morning. Let me go to where my mom, my mother was a domestic worker. I decided to go to, 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 to her work. 
you know, when I arrived, it was for the first time for me to go there. When I arrived there, it was such a big house. And he, he was having, she was having a child on her back, busy washing. There were, there were no much washing machines then. A huge washing, dirty washing. Then I was hungry. Then I said to her, Mama, can, you, can I have a bread and a drink? She said to me, and, and there was a loaf of fresh bread on the table. She said to me, no, I'll let me go back and check on my, from my flat whether there is a, a bread which is put there for me. I asked her, why, why don't you use this one? She said, no, I can't use the fresh one. I have to use the, 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 the day old one. So this one will be used by madam when she arrived. I was so frustrated. You know, there were two kids. The one was on her back and the other was four years old. Then she came in the kitchen and said, Mina, my, my mother, Mina, Mina. I said to myself, why? This young boy calls you by name. Why not? Why? Why? She's not saying mother, mother, preferably. I said, no, no, look, they call us by name. I was head dog since then. When I came back to school, I said to myself, there is something that I need. I need to be active politically. Otherwise, there's a lot that we need to address. That's when I said, unfortunately, at that time, it was during uh, the 1976 uprising. We are fighting against the use of Africans as a medium of instruction. So I was hurt by what I have seen from my mother's work and the situation now encouraged me to participate more on politics. It is when I started politics. That is 45, 46 years going strong. Yes, it's 1977, yes, I think. Hi, my name is Yvonne Chaka and I'm UNICEF and Rollback Malaria Goodwill Ambassador. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in the struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, a program against social ills such as racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Balka every week on this day at this time. Today, we're talking to Member of Parliament, Ms. Tandiswa Mahaul from the African Transformation Movement. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Mrs. Mahal, the work that you've done and and your colleagues from from that era has been significant in terms of allowing South Africa to attain its democracy and having citizens' rights restored and becoming uh, and their dignity restored too. Yeah. The last year has been a, a very unusual year in certainly in my lifetime with regards to COVID nineteen. How would you say that life has changed for a member of parliament with regards to your ways of working? You, for instance, mentioned that now you're doing uh, discussions on Zoom. You don't have as much debate interaction with your colleagues. What are the positives and what are the negatives? I will start with the negative one. You know, first of all, we are deployed in parliament by communities. 
so you are supposed to go back and report on the progress made, the problems you encounter. That interaction means a lot to a politician. So for, 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 for a member of parliament to be, to be unable to go back to communities and report on their mandate really is very frustrating, Doc. That's one thing which frustrated me, not to be able to go back to my communities to report back on all the money they have given me and take new money. So that was one frustration. You know, not to be in the parliament physically. You know, sometimes as politicians, we like to do gestures when you are debating so that if you are angry, your anger can be seen by doing some gestures. It's difficult for you now to express your anger if you are angry. It it doesn't translate very well over a Zoom screen. No, not at all. You can't. You cannot be seen whether you are angry or not. But even if you can put your voice on top, but you need to use your hands <laughs> to show your anger. That was a disadvantage of mine. It is still because we are still on virtual. And for me, I'm above 60, 61. We are told that those that are more than 61, they don't know it. Even during hybrid, it used to be Uvuyo because Uvuyo is more younger. So he's the one who used to attend hybrid, the one that uh, attends in parliament. So that's the disadvantage of COVID and the high rate of unemployment. You know, it's more than before, you know. People are losing jobs. So as politicians, we have to address that. We have no ways. We have no ways to, 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 to convince our people, you know. So more unemployment rate, more poverty. So it takes, it, it takes us back to issues we were trying to address. So that, that, that's where the frustration is. And we don't know what are the plans of government trying to address the high rate of unemployment and the poverty which is taking place. That's the most disadvantaged uh, thing. And the other thing, you know, Ubuntu, we are people, that of burying your, 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 your neighbor or your relative without seeing her, even visit him or her at the hospital. As, as politicians, we used to be visible. We used to go and visit even our members when they are in hospital. But during COVID-19, it was difficult for us to go even to visit them. Until when they comes to when the death time, she or he has to go far away. Our culture, we used to see him for the last time, but it's difficult for us to practice that due to COVID-19 regulations. With COVID, the effects of it are undisputable. I mean, on Friday, I looked at the statistics and we've had 1.5 million more than 1.5 million positive cases were identified. Just under 55,000 people have died from it in South Africa. So we yeah. can't underestimate the effects of this and the impact and how we've had to change our lives to accommodate it, which has certainly impacted on cultural practices, like you yeah. say. Definitely, yes. Mrs. Mahal, with COVID being so prominent, one of the things that struck me in the UN Women's 
International Women's Day, which is celebrated annually on the 8th of March. Their theme this year was Women in Leadership, Achieving an Equal Future in a COVID-19 World, to celebrate the efforts that women have undertaken around the world in shaping a more equal future as well as recovery, because that's where we are now from COVID-19 pandemic. How can we not only encourage more women to assume decision-making roles, but for them to be accepted into these types of positions? I think, Doc, there is a lot that we need to do because I'll start culturally. In other culture, it's difficult to have a woman as a, a ward councillor, especially in rural areas. We need to have some engagement trying to convince the chief the critical role women are playing in terms of growing up their kids. So if they are able to grow up their kids, what will make them not to be political leaders in their area so that the same experience of growing up their kids can use to grow the economy of, of the country, the local economic development. But again, there is a long process that we need to embark on just to, to, to explain ourselves that we, 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 we are capable of being leaders. And even during the, the, the pandemic period, you know, it happened whereby your husband is, is no more working. But as a woman, there is not a single day whereby the kids are not eating. You make a point that you go out and there, make plans out of this COVID-19, risking your life by making a point that there is food on the table. That alone needs to be recognized and the country must say a leader to a woman who have displayed that during this uh, COVID-19 period. In Dogma, we are, we are, we, we are always there as, as, as leaders in our different, trying to identify, trying to be uh, vocal and be visible when time needs us. So those are the ways that I can, I don't know whether I'm convincing on my response. <laughs> You know, what I've learned on this program is that we've, we see multiple perspectives. And one of the, the dominant perspectives that you bring into this conversation is about communities and in particular, the rural communities. Yeah. And if we consider it, it's so important because I think if my statistics are right, more than 50% of our female population is based in rural communities. So yeah. that is half of of a woman that we need to be talking to in order to allow them to understand what their rights are, what they're entitled to, and and what those possibilities are. Right. So thinking a bit as as a reflection, what do you think are some of the strengths and limitations of of gender equality in South Africa currently? I'll start with the Commission on Gender Equality, our Chapter 9 institution. You know, that commission, Doc, has got a critical role to play to go out there and educate especially rural women so that they know their rights. They know exactly when their rights are violated, where to go, what is it that they're supposed to do. But unfortunately, 
will get one uh, gender commission uh, office in East London. I'm just citing Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape is a, 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 an urban area which is very far from rural areas. And the budget within that office doesn't allow for an outreach of the commissioners and the staff to go out there and teach the rural women so that they know their rights. If maybe the government can make a point that they decentralize all the strategic commission, that is your Human Rights Commission, your Gender Equality Commission, to, 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 so that the rural women have access to those commissions, so that they are able, they know their rights, so that we can have more women that are active participants in fighting against gender-based violence. So I think that's one area that we can look at. So really emphasizing aspects of education because it's such an empowering tool, whether it is about learning formative skills in school, but it's about knowing your your rights and and how you can live in a, a free and just society. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to Member of Parliament, Ms. Tandiswa Mahaul from the African Transformation Movement. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Mrs. Mahou, the next question that I want to ask you is about your personal journey and factors for success. Many of our guests who've reached tremendous achievements in their lifetime speak about discipline, focus, faith, and values, for example. What, in your opinion, are the key drivers to your success? I must start by saying, Doc, the way I was grown out by my parents, you, you know, they were, uh, they were not educated, but they were strict. You know, they have a belief that uh, a, a girl is not allowed to go around and play. The girl has got responsibilities to make the point that when she comes from school, she has to do some small cleaning in the house. After that, do some homework. Immediately after that, you have to make the point that you, you, you look for the, you make the point that when your parents arrive, there is supper on the table. So I was just growing in that strict environment on Sunday. It was non-negotiable. I have to go to church on Sunday. So I, 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 I had no time of having other influence more than the teaching of my father and my mother. I, I think that's one uh, key element for me to be where I am, fortunately. But politically, you know, when, when I started politics, fortunately, I was a member of ANC Women's League. The president then was uh, Comrade Winnie Matikizela. I learned a lot from that brave woman that even if your husband is not around you, you are able to go out there and fight for the women's rights, 
So that's where I learned most of the thing. And again, Ubeta Gowa, who was the treasurer then, who used to teach a visit us in, in those small areas of Eastern Cape, used to teach us that you can do something out of nothing. So those are my inspirational leaders over and above the, 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 the chief of mother chief, the late mother chief apostle with Dr. Nozugonunga, may her soul rest in peace, who used to teach us during church services on how to behave as a woman. But my belief is belonging to African transformation movement. If you put people first, if you are a leader, put people first, forget about yourself and practice Ubuntu, humanity. That is very critical. Those are my basic uh, things. And even you have to transform. That is why we're in transformation movement. We have to to, to, to transform people's mind, to take them from old order, convince them that everything is possible before, before God. There is nothing impossible. If you are serious about changing their lives, of the people. So accountability, seven, seven leadership. You must not be just a leader. You must be a servant to the people you are serving. Make it a point that wherever they need you, if the environment is conducive, you are there. Whether you've got nothing in your hands, you just go and convince them that what you want will happen one day. They need to be patient. Accountability. That is why I was saying that, hey, this uh, thing of COVID, because we're unable to account now, unable to go to 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 big to, to call big gatherings. But at least there is flexibility now about the numbers that we have been given. We're able to, you know, talk earlier on. It was very strict even to go outside there. So accountability. I think those are the things that make me a leader today. Thank you very much, Doc. Thank you for sharing those points, Mrs. Mahau. And what I appreciate in our conversation today as well is this notion of transformation. And I know that that ties completely into the African transformation movement. But the fact of the matter is we are in a world of change. Change is continuous. If we are not making the efforts to change, we won't be going in the right direction. And we cannot keep holding on to the old. Now, lastly, as we close out our conversation today, please, can you share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to girls and women who are listening to us on the continent? One thing I must share with girls out today or women out today is that women must know that they must be their own liberators. They must have a self-confidence. You know, they, they, they must trust their ability. And they must know the fact that, Doc, you know, God has given us different gifts. It's critical for you as a woman or a girl to know what is it that God has given me to survive. Then if you find that, associate yourself with the people who will appreciate in what you are given by God and motivate you because at the end of the day, that will make your life change, that will sustain you for the rest of your life. So association is very critical. 
participate in all progressive forums that are taking place in your area. We've got police forum, we've got your school governing bodies. Participate actively so that you know the environment you stay in, so that at the end of the day, you, you are able to say, I'll be that person who will be able to change the lives of the, the people that are surrounding me. Thank you very much, Doc. Thank you for those words of being able to take action, of taking ownership, of being part of the community that you live in and operate in and taking responsibility. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you very much, Doc. You have been listening to Womanity, a Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective, and we have been talking to Member of Parliament, Mrs. Tandiswa Mahau, who is from the African Transformation Movement.